welcome back. Um, I was just, um, uh, I want to complete this. I, I just lost the page just before that uh, music uh, item came up. Uh, we were talking about the work done by the Department of Justice and Peace under Bishop Gabuz of Kimberley. Uh, they're a very active group. They are fighting for the right of compensation for sick minors in the coal industry. Uh, they are looking for equal representation for farm workers. They're looking for land restribution rights. Uh, their investigation of the bucket toilet situation in the Free State and Mandela Bay Municipality. Uh, they're looking at cancer treatment breakdown in KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, they are, let me see what else they're doing. They are investigating the breakdown of mobile clinic system in Limpopo, KwaZulu-Natal, Northwest. Then they're giving legal advice in so many areas. Then, then they're doing with... Uh, creating safe house for activists threatened with assassination. They are very active in Laudato Sea and the uh, whole environment area. And, of course, they're very involved in racial justice and gender justice. Uh, so that is part of the work done by that very active department. So these are some of the reports that come up at the Bishop's Plenary Session. Now, let me just turn my mind for just five or six minutes um, because we're, you're listening to a lot of points and I don't want you to be tired. Uh, let's look at today's feast. Now, you've heard generously of the, today's feast in Radio Veritas. You know, when I was coming over in the car, I was listening to Radio Veritas and it was a beautiful account of the life of today's saint, if you like, Blessed Benedict Daswa from Limpopo, from the Diocese of Sanin, uh, who is um, our intercessor in heaven and who died 28 years ago uh, tomorrow. But we celebrate his feast day today because tomorrow is the feast of the presentation of the Lord, traditionally the 2nd of February. Uh, now, just a few words now you've heard. You know the story of Benedict Daswa, and I know that uh, the men will go on pilgrimage uh, to Chitanini, to the site of the uh, pilgrimage on the 10th and the 11th of March and the women will go on the following weekend, 17th and 18th of March. I know and you heard in the news that Bishop Joao uh, led the uh, prayers today and masses uh, up there uh, in Sanin uh, for the feast of today, for this martyr, this man who, a martyr is someone who died for the faith. I'm sure now, uh, you know, just a few points on the significance of Benedict Daswa. Um, you know, on the day he died, there was a number of events that took place that sort of bring out uh, something of the importance or the character of this uh, saintly man. First of all, you know, in the morning early, he had created gardens around the school. He was a, a primary school teacher, principal, and he noticed how the children often came to school and they were hungry. And so he created gardens so that they would have food in the middle of the day. He was a wonderful teacher and very concerned with his children. Uh, and so he created these lovely gardens which produced vegetables and fruit and various other things. But on the morning that he was killed, uh, that morning, he had gone out.
out early in the morning, picked some vegetables and fruit, and, and drove into the town uh, to give a gift to the priest to support his priests, and also that the priests would be able to help the poor. So this is uh, the first thing you notice about this saintly man, a man with a love for the church, love for his priests, but a concern for the children and for the poor. That's the first thing he did in the morning. Then he came back and he uh, taught the children during the day. And he was very strict as as principal that the other teachers were always there, that they were in their classrooms, that they were working because uh, the school was for the children. It was a child-centered school. It was truly a Catholic school uh, led by a very committed man. And uh, again, this is another aspect. I really, uh, it's a lesson to men and to people, men and women all over South Africa. You know, when you are in a position, it may be uh, working for the government, school or clinic or, or social de- development, you must do that work with all your heart if you are really and truly a Christian. And this is what Benedict Daswa did. Um, immediately after school, uh, he found, because uh, he lived in a very rural area, he found a lady who was so troubled because her child was very sick and uh, had no transport. And so he immediately took them after school uh, to the clinic where the child was uh, uh, was helped. Um, uh, this is the second thing he did. Uh, he, he, he was a man who really built up community, who cared not only for the children in his school, not only for his eight ch- his own eight children. He was a happily married man, a very good family man, uh, but also uh, he worked with the youth, creating football teams and an entertainment for them. He was an advisor of the chief of the area, a man who took an interest in the community around him. And then, so the first thing is he, did, he bought fruit and so on to the priest. Secondly, he took a, a sick child to hospital. On the way back, he found an old man dragging a, a large sack and he uh, put him immediately into the baki and uh, brought him off to a distant village with his luggage. And then he began his journey home. And on that journey, he was ambushed and he was beaten to death. Uh, beaten to death because uh, he was against uh, witchcraft, because people were jealous of him, uh, because uh, he uh, uh, put before them a different set of values. So what is the message of Blessed uh, Benedict Daswa? Well, he died because of his faithfulness to his faith. You know, the society in which he lived was a society that was, at least in the areas of faith, quite confused. But Bendik Daswa had met Christ when he was 17 years of age. Uh, he had given his heart to the Lord and he lived totally for God. And he was not going to, uh, in his own culture, there were many, many beautiful things and all of these he underlined and lived. But there were negative things and these he refused to cooperate in because they were anti-life and they were destructive. Uh, He lived a life dedicated to Jesus, for the church, for catechism and for prayer. Uh, He integrated, this is the big challenge we all have, he brought together his life and his faith. 
You know, he loved his church. He built physically himself uh, with uh, stone uh, stones um, uh, a church for his village and helped in the building of other churches. He also built the school physically for the children in the area and taught there. He sent all his own children to school, supported his wife. Uh, uh, unusual for men of even, I suppose, today in South Africa. He looked after the household needs in the family in the garden, uh, working with his wife and relieving her of many of her duties. Um, he was a man who was uh, stood up against mob justice, you know, because there was lightning in the village. People were, it was uh, said that some witch was responsible for this. This uh, was quite a common situation, and it always, uh, nearly always, ended up with a poor, helpless person being killed. And so Benedict Daswa refused to cooperate uh, in this. And because of this, uh, the people turned against him. But we have to ask ourselves, um, are we, how do we form our opinions? You know, often we see big protests and things like that. Do we, uh, are we caught up in the mob justice that is there involved? Or do we have personal consciences? Uh, Benedict Daswa had no fear of Satan. And so now he lives with God forever. And so uh, I just say we celebrate today this beautiful saint, pray for his canonization. You remember the 35,000 people who came to Cittanini uh, just a few years ago, uh, remembering this saintly man whose mother is still alive. And so, how should we promote it? Uh, I would say to the men, make Benedict Daswa a model, a model of family, a model of responsibility, a model of uh, caring for women and children, uh, respect and doing our job honestly. Again, uh, create maybe groups of friends of Benedict Daswa to promote devotion and knowledge of him, uh, of speak about him when preparing young people for the Sacrament of Confirmation. There is a website, Benedict Daswa. You'll find him there. You can find in the story of his life. You can find beautiful prayers to him. And I would say also, and that was a suggestion made by some of the bishops, that not only should we uh, celebrate his feast today on the 1st of February, which we do indeed, but also... We should remember that marvellous day on the 13th of September when he was beatified uh, on the orders of Pope Francis. And so today, look at it, all over the world, people, Catholic people, and we're 1 billion, 200 million people, know if they want to and if they go to church and if they have the lives of the saints, they know about Benedict Daswa our own saint, uh, who is an inspiration to the whole world. Um, uh, and so, uh, uh, let us say the prayer. O blessed Trinity, you fill the heart of blessed Bendit with great love and zeal in building up your kingdom. You chose him and gave him the courage and the strength to stand up for his faith without fear and bear witness unto death. Loving God like him, may I always proclaim the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ by the witness of my life. Keep me away from all deeds of darkness. Protect me from evil spirits and all the powers of evil. Make me a true apostle of life in my family and in society. Father, Lord, through his intercession and according to your will, grant me the grace that I ask of you. And so each one 
places a request before the Lord, and we know that we are accompanied in our prayer by Benedict Aswell. And then I draw strength and courage from the life of Blessed Benedict, whom we venerate as an intercessor and model of holiness, through Christ our Lord. Amen. So let us now listen to uh, the next uh, piece of uh, music, which is Holy Tlahonolo. It is quarter past five, and the afternoon that choir you were listening to is from St. John Vianney Seminary, and the seminarians return to the seminary tomorrow. Um, be 180 of them studying there this year, and 160 of them resident within the seminary itself. So do pray for them. And they, it's lovely to attend their liturgies uh, because they sing and participate uh, beautifully. Now, the, the main work uh, at the plenary session this year was uh, work on the pastoral plan. Now, what is a pastoral plan? You've heard these terms so many times. Well, a plan, of course, is a method or a movement to bring, and a pastoral plan especially, is a plan to bring God into our lives, into our individual lives, into our family lives, into our society. In other words, we have to ask ourselves individually and as a community, what is the Holy Spirit saying to us today? What is the Holy Spirit of God saying to me today? And again, we have to ask ourselves, is God's will being felt in the world? Is God's presence, is God's grace uh, entering the world? In a world that often forgets about God, uh, but at the same time is thirsty for peace and for joy and for happiness. In a world, a world that needs God, you know, um, how can we make him present in this world? Um, and what must we, baptized as missionary disciples, do to show Jesus um, and his grace, his truth and his joy and his hope in South Africa today? So therefore, it is a plan uh, it is thinking of a way of how better to make the gospel, to make Jesus of the gospel, to make the risen Christ, to make his spirit, to make the will of the Father present in our country and in our own hearts. To make a plan, how to do that better, simply, that is what the pastoral plan. Pastor means a shepherd, and so it's a caring plan uh, coming from the church uh, to uh, make the message of the church more audible, more visible, and more present in the country today. So, for a number of years now, the South African, the Southern African Church has been reflecting uh, with bishops, priests, and you people yourselves, seeking what is our vision today, and therefore what is our mission. How do we state? You know, in a meaningful way, given the world we live in today, how do we state in a meaningful way and then how do we implement, implement a plan uh, to make, you know, the church more effective, to make the work of the church more effective uh, as Catholics and disciples. So therefore a pastoral plan is what the church in South Africa at the moment is concentrating on, to pull together from your own reflections. And we need you. 
your own participation in your parishes, your own sharing. You know where you live. You see your neighbours. You see you read the newspapers every day. You follow what is happening economically. You see the, the, the goodness of our country. You see the violence of our country. You see how families are today. You see how young people are today. Uh, you see uh, uh, the world that you know every day. How can that world become more conscious of God? Is there a plan? Is there a means that we can employ uh, to make some something uh, worthwhile really happen to them? Uh, so uh, a lot of work now has been done already, but it is still the formulation, the final formulation of a pastoral plan is still a work in, prog- in progress. Uh, but uh, more or less the theme of what the plan will be is this, if, uh, that we should be an evangelizing community serving God, humanity and all creation. Evangelizing means bringing people to God, bringing people to encounter Jesus, a community. Uh, Jesus wants us to be a community. God himself is community. We are, and that is what our parishes are meant to be, but unfortunately often they are not. And so the pastoral plan must look at that. That is what our families are meant to be, communities. This is what Jesus formed, and this is what the church has always been, a community. And so a big uh, challenge of a pastoral plan is to form communities which, by their witness, by the love they have for each other, are able to make the Lord present. And it's an evangelizing community serving God. So always, no matter what work we're doing in the church, we must see we're not serving ourselves in the first instance. We're serving God. We're serving humanity. And that means how can... We're not only uh, when we're in church on a Sunday uh, are we the people of God. We are the people of God the whole week. You are uh, the person of God in the work that you're doing, in being a parent, in being in, in working in a kitchen, in driving a car. No matter what you're doing in law or medicine or schools or teaching or civil work, whatever work you are doing, uh, we must do that uh, as human beings and to build up humanity. So as a Catholic church, we are there to serve humanity, not to dominate humanity, not to look down upon humanity, not even to judge humanity or even to criticize humanity, but to try and build up the human person and the human community. And also a community serving creation. And, you know, I'm, I suppose we're all becoming a little bit more conscious of this. And indeed, we have a very firm reminder in what's happening in Cape Town at the moment, where the city is really running out, and even Port Elizabeth too, running out on water. Look what, what can happen if we don't look after our, our environment, if we don't care for the gift that God has given us in our world. Humanity seems to be destroying our world. So many beautiful places have already been destroyed and so we as a community want to preserve creation in all its beauty and in all its giftedness serving humanity and serving God. Now that's the theme and the church is inviting you to continue as priests in a very special way as religious to uh, reflect you will be soon getting a, a synopsis 
uh, of our vision, of our mission, of uh, some of the focal areas that we have arrived at and that we are examining that has arisen out of your conversations uh, so that you can reflect more and then your report back will come to the Second uh, to the Evangelization Council, and there it will be put together so that we come up with, well, f- at least for a number of years, a final document that will set out a plan of how we should set about being a Christian Catholic community in South Africa. Yes, even Jesus had a pastoral plan. You know, in chapter 10 of St. Matthew's Gospel, Uh, You'll read there at the beginning of chapter 10 of St. Matthew's Gospel that Jesus called the 12 disciples and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and heal disease and sickness. And then you have the names of the 12 apostles. And then it goes on. This this was the pastoral plan of Jesus, which obviously uh, must be at the heart of our own pastoral plan. Uh, These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions, if you like, with the following pastoral plan. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff for the worker is worthy of his uh, keep. And he goes on to tell us when you enter a home and uh, give it your greeting and and let peace rest upon that home. It goes on like that. So Jesus had a methodology about what he was doing in making the kingdom of God uh, present. And so today we're living in a world, yeah, it's the same world that Jesus lived in, but it's also a different world. Things have changed, as you... uh, as anyone will know, even we had an original pastoral plan in 1989, which was community serving humanity. You remember that it was centered on small Christian communities. And now 1989 is 29 years ago, we say 30 years ago. And in those 30 years, look how much the world has changed. Indeed, for a start, in those 30 years, half of humanity which is alive today, was not yet born, has been born in that last 30 years, for a start. And then we have had a new country in South Africa, a new government, democratic government. We have had huge changes in our countries. And I don't have to spell them out. Social media, you know, endless images and choices and communication put before people. There's a a large breakdown of family life. Individualism is dominant. Noise, frantic speed is part of our world today much more than in the past. Uh, Again, uh, you know, most of our young people are not formed by their parents. Uh, anymore, they are formed by the world around them, and and how can God enter that world? Is there space for God? Uh, you know, young people will say, "No, I don't go to church. I don't pray. I'm not old enough." 
um, which is really, uh, you know, putting the cart before the horse in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a very special way. You know, I remember my father telling me a story about uh, a woman uh, just coming up to Lent. She had two sons. One was 17 and the other was seven. And she said to the elder son, what are you uh, going to give up for Lent? He says, I'm going to give up pot, pot for Lent. And then she looked at the little son and she said to him, do you know what pot is? And the little boy says, yes, I do. But what is Lent? Um, so this is the world we are living in today. And uh, the, uh, young people uh, need to understand that um, God is for now. And the greatest gift you can give God is your youth. Uh, and so, in, in, in the world of unemployment, of poverty, of political breakdown, corruption, urbanization, uh, the emergence of a global world, the tremendous pressure placed by the economy, uh, globalization, and yet a thirst for truth. Uh, in other words, the pastoral plan is replying to the request of Jesus himself, uh, go and preach the kingdom of God is close at hand. And again, we're living in a world that is very strange. And um, the areas that you will be looking at are evangelization, the formation of laity and youth, formation of priests, deacons and religious, uh, the, the family and marriage, justice and peace, healing and reconciliation and creation. But we're responding also to what Pope Francis said. I invite all Christians everywhere at this moment to a renewed personal encounter with Jesus Christ. So um, uh, we're going to listen now to a hymn here called Daswa Hymn. Daswa Hymn, the first hymn there. And because, uh, as we remember, Bendy Daswa. But with, the, with this hymn, I just say, I've been talking about the Bishop's Conference today and I've given you hundreds of points. And I'm, few, I'm sure you're, 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 you're confused. But basically, uh, what the bishops are trying to do, they're trying to work with yourselves. They're inviting you to be involved. It is you who is going to run with these programs, with the bishops and with our priests. And we invite our priests to become involved in this formation of a pastoral plan, discussing how we can make the message of Jesus, repent, the kingdom of God is amongst you, how to make that audible and present in our world today. With that, may God bless you. Please, God, with God's help, we'll meet again next week. We listen now to the Benedict Daswa hymn. 